0: Hey everybody, Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL, where you truly do hear from legends. Thanks for joining me today for another great interview, and of course today's guest is ITG President Grant Peters, and this is HFL 114. Of course you can listen to these interviews on any podcast platform, but now you have the option to also watch them on the Studio HFL YouTube channel. If you haven't yet subscribed to that channel, I encourage you to do that and share that with your friends. While you're at it, I'd encourage you to also visit Apple Podcast, leave a star rating and a review, and you can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Studio HFL. If you'd like to get the newsletter, you can go to StudioHFL.com and subscribe there, and you can get uh, weekly news and updates on guests and releases and other information. And of course, if you go to StudioHFL.com, you can also go to the merchandise page And check out the uh, really cool t-shirts there. And don't just check them out. Actually, buy some. That'd be great. Uh, Let's see. Patreon. Oh, yeah. There's a huge shout out to my Patreon patrons for their generous support of the show. Your support goes a long way towards helping me to continue working to deliver the best possible end product. And for that, I am extremely grateful if you... Would like to be a part of the studio HFL community, please visit patreon.com/slash studio HFL. There, you're going to find four tiers of support from which you can choose, each with benefits for becoming a subscriber. And now a word about my show sponsors. Picket Blackburn has established themselves as a top-tier resource for trumpet players. There's an incredible line of mouthpieces, both custom and stock, that you can choose from, with expert guidance from Eric Marine. And the Blackburn trumpets are the choice of pros like Vince DiMartino and David Hickman. Design, execution, delivery, and excellent customer service. Find out more at picketblackburn.com. Messina covers. You know, brass players can be kind of picky when it comes to cases, perhaps even more so than other musicians. If you have an idea for a custom case, then Messina Covers is your solution for completely custom case designs, even down to a wide variety of color schemes. Don't forget about options for mouthpiece pouches or pretty much anything you'd want to keep protected in a custom case, and of course you can check them out at messinacovers.net. One of the great things about small business is that you get the opportunity to provide exceptional customer service while delivering exceptional products, and of course I'm talking about Carl Hammond and Hammond Design. Carl provides a complete line of stock mouthpieces for trumpet, cornet, mellophone, trombone, and tuba, and custom orders for all of those plus flugelhorn. Everything is better in HD, and of course you can find out more at carlhammonddesign.com. The Eastman Music Company has become a force to be reckoned with by manufacturing and delivering high-quality instruments across the board. Eastman Winds provides a line of brass instruments from beginner to pro, and you know they're invested in the quality of every instrument when the one and only Doc Severinsen designed their beginner trumpet model. I've played this trumpet. It is spectacular. Find out more at EastmanWinds.com. S.E. Shires, another division of the Eastman Music Company, offers a complete line of brass instruments for the discerning musician. Stock options are available, but custom orders are where Shires have made their mark. Myself, as both an Eastman and a Shires artist, I can attest to the quality of horn in my hands no matter what my performance situation. Find out more at seshires.com. And now, on to my interview with Brandon. And now, on to my interview with Claire. And now, on to my interview with Grant Peters.
1: How are you? I'm good. Sitting here with my puppy. I'm, I'm afraid he's going to start snoring, but we'll kind of...
0: <laughs> I don't know if I can edit out snoring.
1: I'll get rid of
0: it So, all right. You're just using the audio, right? Uh, well, I was I was gonna use the video later on for uh, that's available for my Patreon patrons. But so no, not a big deal, man. This is this is this is Grant Peters in his you know most relaxed state, right? Maybe not most relaxed, you know. I don't, but so that's no, this is good. It's good. All
1: right. So, you're still a busy man. Very busy even more busy in this pandemic than I was before in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's kind of strange, but, uh, you know, in a lot of different ways, not just professionally, but just doing stuff at home and then ITG stuff. And, you know, ITG got a lot busier when the pandemic started because we had a lot of things to deal with. Uh, It got crazy really, really fast, and I had no idea. But, uh, you know, that's part of it. I think that's part of leadership is dealing with things when the wind's not at your back. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, going up
0: for ITG president, I mean, you're not even going to think that anything like this is remotely <laughs> possible, right? It's going to be smooth sailing. It's well, never happened to any ITG president before, you know, what could possibly go wrong?
1: Yeah, that was, uh, I was always thinking it was going to be this, this, uh, just about the mission of ITG and be a visionary and and just kind of keep things rolling along. And then that was all very different.
0: So, you know, now it's going to be marred by you. Remember Grant Peter's presidency? It was all about the pandemic.
1: Yeah. Okay. Wait, is that a, a two-year term? It is a two-year term. I started uh, October 1st. And this October 1st, obviously, my first year. Then I'm one more year after that. And so when you're elected, you're president-elect for two years president for two years and then past president, kind of an advisory role for two years. So it's really a six year commitment overall.
0: Um, but your roles, do they change a whole lot during those six years?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's there's specific duties that are assigned. Like when you're the vice president, you're in charge of a lot of membership committees and you do, you're in charge of the election. Uh, and you're, you're an advisor, obviously. But uh, when you become president, then kind of everything stops with you and you're, you know. You're mm-hmm. kind of assigning committees and making sure every initiative is, is being followed through with and kind of making a lot of decisions. And I think as past president, there's less, I think, uh, responsibilities there. But still, mm-hmm. I mean, you're somebody who's done it. And I relied a lot on Kathy Leach. Of and, course. Yeah. And, and a lot of past, all the past presidents are always willing to get on the phone and talk to me and, and help me out. And there's a lot of them out there that I can count on. To Of course, I've got yeah. Jason Burton as my vice president, who's absolutely great what a sharp guy right yeah very sharp guy and i can always bounce stuff off of him and cool thing about him is if i lay some idea on him and he thinks it's ridiculous he'll tell me uh appreciate that we need more straight shooters in this business that aren't afraid to hurt your feelings right uh for the right reason so right that's great
0: yeah yeah i don't think i've asked this question at from anybody but how old were you when you got involved with ITG?
1: I was uh, I think a sophomore or a junior in undergrad. I did my undergrad at the University of Nebraska at Lincoln. I was mm-hmm. doing an education degree and my teacher there at the time was Dennis Schneider. And people know him as Denny Schneider. He's, he's gone now. But uh, he was really big early on in ITG and he used to tell us all about, he'd get his ITG journal and he'd read it cover to cover the day he got it. We thought, man, what a geek, I can't believe it. <laughs> and so, um, You know, we we, we kind of learned about it. And then one summer, my buddies said, hey, the ITG, I think it was in, I don't know, it was 85 or 86. I think my first one was in Albuquerque, though, and a bunch of my buddies said, my dad's going to let us use his kind of custom van at the time. Six of us Mm -hmm. popped into that thing and drove from Lincoln, Nebraska, to Albuquerque, New Mexico. I think Jeff Piper was hosting. And from then on, uh, I was in. Absolutely in. I was probably, I guess I was probably 21 maybe or 20 whatever yeah. you know, when you're here maybe yeah maybe 20. Um, it changes the way you feel about ITG and I still say to people even though they're a member unless you've been at a conference you can't truly understand yeah. what ITG is really about. Um, being at that at a conference and seeing how everyone is all these all these great artists and students and and weekend warriors who just play in their garage every now and then—they're all on an equal level, and they're all talking to each other, and they're all helping each other out. And that's really what the organization is about. There are a lot of aspects about ITG that are really of value, but that, for me, is the one thing that best describes what ITG is. And you can't—you can tell people about it all you want, but until you're there, it's hard to understand. I think you understand that.
0: I do. And I—and I'm <clears throat> thinking back. I was in San—well, Hershey, San Antonio, and Miami and the hang for all three of those was just it was great you know i don't think i made maybe two sessions in miami well i was so busy doing interviews but you know i mean truly and and the way that was that hotel you know everybody had to pass through that lobby to get anywhere
1: right and it
0: was like everybody was all the artists were there you know everybody's coming through everybody's willing to sit and have a cup of coffee with uh, everybody and chat and yeah, and the, the vibe was great, great for that. So I, I agree. You have to go to understand uh, the value of that.
1: And you can really make it your own thing. I mean, a lot of people think they're going to be overwhelmed with Trump, but you can go to as, as many or as few things as you want to go to. You can pick and choose. You know, every day we get the schedule out, and you kind of check off things you wanted to see and kind of map out how you could get to each one. And some people will go to 20 minutes of one session and dash off to another one and hear a little bit of a title and, so it's really, it's not anything you're locked into. You can really make it exactly what you want it to be. And then half the fun is seeing your friends and yeah. hanging out I'm doing things. That's one of my favorite things about this is I've got two really, really close trumpet player buddies and we see each other probably twice a year and that's one of the times. And it's mm-hmm. its a great time to catch up and yeah. laugh the whole time. Yeah, right.
0: And and to hear some of the most ridiculous trumpet playing you're ever going to hear. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Miami was, was incredible. Yeah. Uh, and I got to play in a concert there, which I had no business even being on stage. Uh, Jason and I got to play something after a cancellation. There were some players on that stage that are just awe-inspiring. And then you have yeah. to walk up there and play something after one of them comes off. And it was a little scary, but but still great fun. And, and I got to hear some players that I'd never heard before. I mean, yeah. live, too. That's the That's the... The ridiculous thing is you hear these players live and they sound just like the recordings.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so right. That's
1: wild. Yeah. So,
0: um, well, this has been great and a lot of fun. I'm glad you just gave me some time. No, I'm, I'm kidding, <laughs> we're not done. <laughs> just, seeing, just seeing if I can keep it light here. Um, so tell me how you've been managing through the, uh, the pandemic. Uh, in terms of just in general? Just you, you, yeah, how, what's, uh, what's going
1: on? You know, our school, like many at spring break, decided to go online. And I just you know, pushed through and, and made it as normal as I possibly could with my students. We all got kind of set up. I could tell that many of them were you know, uneasy about it and they didn't have great equipment at home. They didn't have great microphones. I could tell some of them, even though they said they weren't, they were probably doing their Zoom lessons on their phones. Uh, the sound wasn't good. So you had to really adapt and find different things to talk about rather than working on refining a, their, their sound or listening for articulation. Uh, you could tell a lot of things, you know, accuracy, and even rhythm was difficult because sometimes there's a lag in the internet and you can't tell if it skipped ahead or they rushed with three bars. So, uh, and I did a lot of things, research-oriented things with them made, them, made them start learning things on the internet about players and pieces. and So that was okay. Uh, I think we ended up pretty well making recordings and having them learn how to use the technology in a way that represents themselves well. Um, As far as this summer, it's been kind of quiet and it's been very different. Usually I'm off doing clinics and there's ITG and there's traveling. Uh, Very little of that happened this year. So obviously, like many people, you dig in and start doing stuff around the house that needs to be taken care of. And that was (laughs) what I like to do. So I got a lot of things done. Um, Practicing was, like most will tell you, um, without anything coming up, no gigs, it's hard to stay motivated. Uh, We're all kind of um, indoctrinated into having that carrot out there dangling. We got this piece coming up, we're going to play this recital, I got this gig. Things to work on and things to work toward. So all of a sudden you have to think, well, uh, this is just a a real time to slowly go back and revisit fundamentals. I mean, just ridiculously slow. And I've been doing that and I encourage my students to do that. I said, there's no tempo that's too slow to play a Clark study and just absolute perfection Those so slow 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 and a lot of them I think have been doing that and they found that that was really beneficial and that they didn't yeah. have to be in a hurry that's another thing that's great
0: um, yeah there's nothing like a slow tempo to expose your double tonguing uh, faults and triple tonguing faults right
1: <laughs> all day to do it Dude, there's just nothing else happening so um so I've been playing a lot uh just you know, a couple times a day not for a long period of time but I'm very regular about it uh, but now we're starting to get back into school starts Monday. So uh, I was up at school yesterday hearing my students play their auditions and they all sound pretty good, but of course, a lot of them are in marching band camp, which they're still having even though our football will yeah. play until spring, which is kind of a head scratcher because you think a marching band camp would be the best place for them to be too close together. Um, but that decision is above my pay grade. so we're just gonna have to hope for the best be you know, yeah, partition a wooden partition that's six feet high by four feet wide with uh, it's a frame basically and inside it's clear marine vinyl which is like 20 gauge real clear mm-hmm. thick uh vinyl and uh i've got that installed in my office now uh, and kids- you can you can hear through that just fine oh, yeah it's fine yeah it's no yeah. big deal they come in they take a right and they go into the corner and there's like a fairly large area there with the screen there that, that, that blocks out me from the rest, them, from the rest of the office. And they'll never venture in any farther than that into my office and stand behind that and play. It does, you know, if they play directly into it, obviously the sound would be affected a little bit, but they can aim a little bit away from that. And that's how we're going to proceed. And I'm hoping we're face to face as long as I can be, because I think if if they've made the commitment to come back to campus and they want to be here in person, then I want to be in person for them. Yeah, And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not terribly scared about this, but I wanna take precautions. And I think this gives me some degree of safety I and mean, nothing's guaranteed. So right. we're just the best we can. And, and I wanna make it as normal as possible for them because this is an exhilarating time in their life. And I don't want it to be like, you know, coming into a, a crime scene where they can't touch anything and they can't <laughs> go here or there. And uh, So I wanna make it fun and exciting for them. and, and We got our fingers crossed that we can do that for a while can you hear this guy snoring yeah a little bit okay let me get him out of here (laughs) it's not terrible sorry he's a big snorer i guess you can edit that out
0: Uh, yes (laughs) thankfully i can i can control a lot of that on this (laughs) so and you know the (laughs) funny thing is most of what i edit out is me it's like i'm listening back on these edits and i'm like i should just shut up sometimes you know and get out of the way but, yeah, you know
1: i listen to a lot of podcasts and i think it's important to to get a bunch of the personality of the interviewer too brian h tends to talk a lot too yeah, yeah.
0: i like his though but i yeah. like his
1: but, uh, but I actually
0: got- i'll excerpt that and send it to him and say okay. guess what grant said about you
1: <laughs> cool things to say I mean, you know his point of view is obviously really interesting sometimes too yeah. So that's that's fun
0: yeah well and that's what i like about all this you know brass junkies is a great podcast the other side of the bell You know, it's like, they're all great perspectives. You know, we all ask different questions and take different paths, you know, to the end of the interview. But uh, so, um, so good. You're, you're going back uh, in person and you mentioned the marching band thing here in Indiana, they canceled everything. I mean, there's no marching band at all. And, you know, in Indiana, that's, that's a big deal.
1: Right. Yeah, I think that's probably the smart way to go. You know, my philosophy on all this is although I want to be back in person, you know, as collectively we just all need to take a breath and say we're going to be without some things for a while if we want this to go away. Um, and I, you know, I'm from Nebraska originally, as I mentioned, and football is king and the people there are just melting down because there's not going to be football and I'm thinking yeah. oh. I mean, I knew, I always knew, I love Nebraska football, and it truly is big, but it's just not more important than us getting getting through this thing and getting on with our lives. So um, I don't know what the marching band here is going to do. I think they're planning on doing a, just doing a show on the field every third Thursday or something like that. And then they're going to have a pep band in the stands in the spring when the football team plays. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, it's not, it's not my call. I'm just going to try to keep my head down, teach my students, and stay
0: healthy. So uh, aside from the applied, are you doing any trumpet ensemble or quintet coaching?
1: Uh, uh, well, occasional quintet coaching. The majority of my students are music ed majors, so they don't really have a uh, exact chamber music requirement in their degree. The performance majors, uh, if I have some, will have that, but the other ones don't. So every now and then we have some of the top kids to do chamber groups uh, quintets, and stuff like that so i'll do something but the majority of my load is applied uh, and i will do a trumpet ensemble that's another thing this year that's going to be interesting because you have to have space to do that uh, but they like to do that i like to uh, we wanted to uh, maybe attempt to do a, a recording for I, ntc this year but that's all kind of different now too they've made some adjustments to that so i'm not sure how it's going to work but you know i think chamber music and, and trumpet ensemble uh, one on a part and having students really have to listen to each other you know. And I don't conduct the trumpet ensemble, I refuse to do that, I said you have to listen to each other and you have to communicate because that's what chamber music is. Wow. I'll help them every now and then in rehearsal but I say when you perform I make the kids we assign who's going to cue different entrances. and and they have to take care of that because that's what chamber music is so i do a little of that but yeah the majority of what i do is uh applied and almost all my students are music head i think i have one undergraduate performance major and i have one graduate student performance major right now
0: how big's the studio
1: oh uh, right around 18 and that's a, oh. that's what considered full here yeah uh, i'm sure what we'll, we'll see when we come back i think one of my students may not be coming back listening some kids I think I'm think about taking a year off yeah um not everyone's comfortable coming back but i think most of them are coming back so mm-hmm. but that's 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 plenty i think um, yeah that's a full week um, yeah
0: so let's take a little bit of a left turn uh go back to talking about you since this is a grant peters interview right <laughs> um yeah i was looking at your bio recently and uh it's interesting. Dallas Brass seems to pop up in an awful lot of bios, <laughs> um, and that was that was pretty pretty early on in your career. It looked like,
1: yeah. Uh, I was at uh, University of North Texas doing my master's degree, and I had done I think two years, just almost finished with my master's. I think all I had left was my qualifying exams or or my uh, oral exams or something like that. And you know, uh, the Dallas Brass was based in in Dallas at the time, hmm. um, I think it probably still is, but uh, they asked that, we, the word got out that they were looking for a second trumpet player. I think Tim Anderson had recently retired and gone back to teaching. Uh, they had someone filling in for the summer, I think it was uh, David Hobbs, and they said, we have an opening. And so, uh, but we have an audition in Dallas, uh, like Monday, and this was like three or four days away. Yeah. And they gave us this book, of the whole show that they were doing at the time. And it was a huge amount of music and, right. but there were a bunch of us that just, you know, I started practicing that, I think I, I practiced it nonstop until okay. I went down there that day. Uh, I, was, I was fortunate enough to get the gig and I toured with them for nine months through 26 states and Canada. Wow. That was probably the most important uh, year of my life uh, is in terms of professional development and the best part of it was getting to play, sitting next to Wiff Rudd for nine months. Uh, I tell him often that I had two major teachers in my life, but I count him as one of my teachers because, man, standing next to that guy every single night going to battle with him was the best learning experience ever. I mean, just a model of efficiency, not to mention a really good person Yeah, gentlemen, I could learn a lot from that too because I was, I don't know, I can't remember how I was in my early 20s then. And that was a great learning experience. Plus, on the other side of me was Charlie Bolorubia, who now teaches too. But, you know, that was frightening because that guy was just an absolute. (laughs) um, But that was a, you know, every night having to get out of that van and go get up on stage and sometimes playing for 2,500 people for community concerts. We weren't playing heavy, heavy brass content literature, but you're still standing up playing for two solid hours. Right. And, uh, well, that was great to be able to have to get up there and play whether you wanted to or not, whether your chops felt good, uh, whether you're tired or whatever, you just had to get up and do it. And you, more times than not, you found that you could pull yourself through it and then you felt pretty good about it at the end and kind of learned to overcome anything that was.
0: Well, I know that book. Um, I actually auditioned for them a, a handful of years back and, uh, there's, it's not just B flat. You know, there were some D trumpet parts. Now I don't know if they were they were there when you were there, but uh, you know I remember having to put those uh, like William Tell Overture. Right, I think was right. That's one of the ones I had to audition
1: on. I had to do yeah. on trumpet. Yeah. I got an interesting story about that. I got, I got hold on a second. I got an issue with the dog again. Sure. That uh, that um, piece on D trumpet, uh, as you know, uh, we played every night. But we were in Sacramento one night, and uh, we decided that we were going to park our van right under the hotel awning, right in the front door with the lights on it. And for whatever reason, a bunch of us decided to leave our horns in them. We came out the next day. This was 1989. We came out the next day, and I was walking up to the van. I said, you guys, who broke the window? Because there's glass all over the ground. And uh, pretty soon we realized that, uh, yeah, this is – Someone broke into the van. They took my Schilke triple case with my C, my pick, and my Ethel MD. They took Whiff's D-flat and his flugelhorn, and they took Mike Levine's trombone. Um, So the point of the story is that uh, um, the next day, I called Schilke. A couple days later, I called Schilke, and I said, "Um, do you uh, have any uh, – I I need to get a new horn. Can can you buy – what was I trying to do? I think I was asking about, oh, someone stole, I said, someone stole my horn. Has anyone called and tried to uh, tried to buy E flat bell for that thing in slides? Yeah, just the other day someone called and we told them, it says, it's not like we have a barrel of bells and we just send one out to them. We have to hand fit those things. And of course they were gonna watch and make sure that this person uh if they called back, we could find out who it was, and of course, they never did. So, I'm to this day, I'm convinced some little kid came to school with a D trumpet. Uh, from there, yeah, we had to. There was a guy named Richie Clenden in, uh, in Fresno State who gave us all horns for that concert that night, and we kind of made it through until Yamaha got us some some horns because it was a Yamaha group, anyway.
0: So. Yeah, I, can, I can't imagine that happening, you know, it's one thing, and probably different mouthpiece, right.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know if I'm out. I can't remember that situation exactly. Um, but uh, it was weird. But, you know, it, it wasn't that – it seems like it wasn't that big of a deal. And, you know, we, we, do the, we knew, knew the show so well, it doesn't really matter what horn you put up. I mean, of course, that's been – what was that? I don't know how many years ago. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Uh, I'll tell you, 31, right?
0: Feeling old now, right?
1: <laughs> but you're right. There's been uh, – since – I left the group after nine months. I wanted to go back and get my master's done and start my doctorate. And then had a few more players, and then a lot of those players moved on and formed the rhythm and brass. yep. And since then, I know there's been a lot of there's a lot of turnover in the Dallas brass, but they're still going and doing things. but yeah, there's a lot of people who have played in that group that really are.
0: Yeah. Um, and any stories you want to share other than the you know getting your horn stolen? <laughs> oh, and I'm I, and I'm I'm half serious but half kidding. I'm not, not gonna pressure you into, uh, you
1: know. No, I mean, you know, it's it's a it's it's a group that uh, got a lot of had a lot of personality in it. Um, and but but then again, at the time I was young and I was willing to I was willing to accept any any kind of not criticism but suggestion. I wasn't one yeah. to really be saying you know you I need to do it this way. I was definitely in full learning mode. Learning from a bunch of pros, yeah,
0: because
1: uh, there were great players in the group. Um, we had a lot of fun, I'll tell you that. Uh, maybe if I think of a fun something funny about that group, I can I yeah. can I'll bring it up during yeah. time, but
0: uh, yeah. um, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: We had a we had a we did do a great recording, I thought, with the group. We uh, really some, awesome album. yeah, 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 they came right. to us. We've got this, these I don't know how many 12 arrangements by. Um, it was sponsored by Word Music, uh, and they said, we want to record these. So we started rehearsing them on the road. Um, it's really kind of, uh, it was all sacred stuff, no, no secular music, but it was uh, uh, kind of Hollywoodish at the time. It was pretty cool, but now you listen to it, and it's real, you know. In fact, I hear every time we go down to Silver Dollar City in Branson at <clears throat> Christmas time, they're playing it on the radio. Yeah, yeah. But we recorded that thing in like two days in Dallas, and it came out pretty good, and uh, it's still I still got a bunch of copies. I give them to people. People really, really still like it. So have arrangements myself. Our quintet plays a few of them every now and then. So yeah, that was kind of a that was kind of a fun thing to do.
0: So you said then you came back and finished or started your doctorate, right?
1: Came back and started my doctorate, uh, and let's see, I think that uh, off and on I you know, I lived in Dallas after I finished my coursework. Then I, I met my wife, and we lived in Dallas, which is only 40 miles from Denton. And that's when I was done with my coursework, and I was working on my dissertation and recitals and, and teaching about 65 kids a week in the uh, colony. The colony is a suburb of Dallas. If, if you're a graduate student or a trumpet player in, in, in the Metroplex, which is Dallas, Fort Worth, and Denton, you can teach as many students as you want. There's work there for you. Wow. And you can teach them right in the school, or right during the school day. And uh, so I did that pretty much as a living while I was finishing my doctorate, uh, which was just brutal. And I, I told myself, if I ever get a college job, I'm not teaching. I'm not going to have an outside private studio except for maybe a few kids because it just it wore me down. It's yeah. a lot a lot of, of teaching. But I also learned a lot from that because I taught a lot of beginners. And I think when you teach beginners and you have to revisit how to make a sound on a trumpet and explain to someone else the fundamentals of phone production, right? You you can't help but benefit from that yourself.
0: Yeah,
1: that was really really valuable. Well, so I did that, and then off and on during that, I was taking auditions. Uh, I was still thinking for a time I was going to be win an orchestra job, and I think I actually, knowing what I know about that now, I don't think I was ever really a real serious contender for that. Although I had some success right before. I got my college job, uh, made the finals in a couple smaller orchestras like San Antonio. And um, I made the finals of a Marine band and oh. the president's own. Yeah. But then right after that, uh, I applied for this job and was lucky enough to get an interview and get this get this job. And I've been here ever since. I got here in 96. This will be my 25th year.
0: Wow, congratulations.
1: I'm I'm eligible for full retirement right now. I, this is my years of service and my age combined equals 80 so it's all gravy from here on
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, so you really knew early on you wanted to teach
1: I think so I, I, I don't know that I was admitting that I was still thinking you know I've done some playing I was kind of intrigued by being a performer but I also didn't like the the kind of I don't know what you what you call it a transient uh, culture of that moving around all the time and being unsure about health insurance and this and that. I just want, I really like, a lot of people that know me know that I like, I'm not, I don't know if I'm controlling, but I like order in my life. Um, and that's important to me, routine and having things go a certain way. I think that's why I decided not to go into public school teaching because when I student taught, I saw what it was like on a Friday night in the marching band and I thought, chaos is not my strong part. And you have to, as a teacher, you have to be willing to be flexible and just take it all as it comes because it's gonna come from every direction. And I like, to, I like what I'm doing now because it's a little bit more structured and there's not so many surprises. And I try to pass it on to my students, how to be organized and how to be in control of what you're doing and, and have them determine the outcomes based on their work rather than just let it happen, whatever happens, happens. So, um, so that's uh, that's why I uh, I chose I think to be a college teacher and I think yeah. uh, I probably wanted to all along and I admired so much my undergraduate teacher Denny Schneider and my graduate uh, my doctoral professor Leonard Candelaria yeah um, I watched them and to this day every time I make a decision whether it's in my teaching or my you know playing or, or itg now I think back to what they did when I saw them. I saw Leonard run in a conference during when I was in my last of The phone and ring three times, okay. and he was president of. My, and uh, so uh, I really rely on on what he, the things he did, and I still call him for advice.
0: This is just a quick sponsor break to remind you to check out Messina Covers for great custom case options, Eastman Winds and S. E. Shires for exceptional quality from the professional model to the beginner, Hamma Design for their incredible HD experience, and of course Pickett Blackburn providing you with a multitude of options for mouthpieces and trumpets and now back to the interview so trumpet influences as you're coming up through the ranks you know middle school high school who who were you listening to who were you another maynard ferguson guy? yeah
1: um maynard ferguson uh i had a book called the the jazz stylings of maynard ferguson and i had all these tunes written out and i tried to play those in my room and then i'd get a headlight headed and Play back, play back. Um, I had all Maynard's albums. Um, Chuck Mangione. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I um, listened to a lot of Chicago. Uh, uh, I think, uh, let's see, early on then in, in undergraduate, you know, I, this is dating me, but I, um, well, my first CD I got when I was, a, like, a sophomore in college, my parents got me a Sony Discman, which is one of those. Oh, cool- yeah. Killer. And yeah. I made- I made a styrofoam cushion for it so I could have it in my car so it wouldn't skip. Well, they skipped all the time. I know. But it was, this, and my first CD was the Empire Brass, the Bach for Brass, I think. Oh. You no, know, it was, yeah, I think it was Bach for Brass, I think that was my first CD. But then I remember when Winton's first, you know, talking about it at school in Nebraska, when his dual albums came out, they won Grammys for him. So right then is when those things were happening. I was still buying albums, of course. Um, I tell that to my students now, what, what it took to get an album of something we wanted to listen to back in the early 80s, and what we went through to listen to things, and how they have it on their phone now on Apple Music or something, and they don't bother to listen to it. Right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's strange, but, uh, so I listened to lots of Winton, and of course I got into uh, learning about Maurice Andre. Uh, at my first ITG, I heard a very young Hocan Hardenberger. I remember walking into the lobby of the hotel in Albuquerque where the conference was and he was down in the lobby playing with a chamber group and he would—he must have been, I think we're the same age so he would have been early 20s mm-hmm. and I was astounded at what I was hearing from the guy that was so young just excited to hear you know, and to be next to him. people always talk about ITG being next to somebody looking at music and realizing it's Doc Severinsen or it's right. Charlie Schmuter or something <laughs> like that just talking to them like, like buds. So um, those are the people I listen to. I love Tower of Power, all uh, the horn bands, Earthman and Fire. Uh, and then I got into uh, listening to orchestral music. I remember I bought a, a Chicago Schulte box set of the Rom symphonies. So yeah, uh, those are pretty much my main influences. I listen to a lot of, a lot of people, you know. Uh, I was never, I never a big jazz player, but I, I love jazz. I listen, you know, what I wore out in undergraduate school was the Al Jarreau album called Jarreau, which had the L.A. horns on it. You know Chuck, uh, Jerry Hay and those guys. I wore that thing out because every track was just killing horns. Uh, uh, I think I broke that cassette. cassette. My students don't know what a cassette is.
0: Yeah. Can you can you imagine just for a second having them to say, okay, I want you go to the listening library. And check out this LP, and then go to the listening room, right? And get headphones that are probably, you know, hadn't been disinfected for however many <laughs> years, you know, and the foam's worn off on the on the headset, and they got to sit and listen to a scratchy
1: record, right? You know, it, but I tell you, them that you, I do tell them that, and I tell them you had to go in there, and as soon as you ran over there and got set up, that you had to look back at the person in there, and they have to. They, they would put the album on back there behind the in the booth and you were at a carol. So that you have to look back and say, okay, now put it on. And they put it on. And when you wanted to hear it again, you had to run back over there and have them go back to that band. <laughs> it was a process, but I spent a lot of time down there listening. Um, and I think it was because I wanted to. A lot of it was just pleasure listening. Yeah, I'm trying to get my students to do that too. But.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and you're right though. It's so easy. They, they have, we all have in the palm of our hand, millions of tunes access to millions of you know maybe not millions of artists maybe so but they still seem to find an excuse not only to not listen but if they do listen they don't even pay attention to who it was
1: oh right right
0: right so what trumpet players you listen to oh i listened to you know the
1: hindemouth well who was playing i don't know (laughs) sometimes they say that was some kid's junior recital at some school i don't know (laughs) that's what you chose right right the other day i listened to I love podcasts. I, I walk my dog twice a day, and the podcasts are the best for a mm. But I also listen to music. And the other day, I oh, I finally got Apple Music, and I pulled up Sergei Nakaryakov's new album, Vidmo. I don't know if you've heard. It's of. gorgeous. I don't think I've ever, even by his standards, it's unbelievable. And the mu- mostly just the musicality. You forget about the trumpet playing for a while because at first you think. Some of this stuff you can't do on the trumpet, or I'm not familiar with that kind of trumpet playing myself, but the music is just stunning, and uh, they all have that ability. Every one of them has some kind of app or Apple Music or or Pandora or whatever they use. That you can listen yeah. all the time, and I'll catch them in the hallway coming down with their headphones on, and I'll say, what are you listening to? It might be some rap or it's some, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking, you, know you ought to just mix in a little trumpet playing once in a while so you know what you want to sound like right that's pretty critical yeah we're working on it you know it's, it's tough
0: yeah so you, you had mentioned uh finishing up last semester you had assigned them you know to, to listen to some trumpet players I'm actually trying that this semester each week I've assigned uh, an artist but not a specific tune they're supposed to find something by that artist and then they have to listen um, actively because it's I don't want to just know who and what ensemble? I want to know. Tell me, like, describe. Give me a give me a description of what's going on in the piece, and, and right. you know some subjective uh, things on there. But I I want them to listen. I want them to really listen. You know, and know I, about it?
1: I did that last semester. I, there was a uh, I don't know if you saw this, but the New York Philharmonic a few years ago they had their opening gala concert was available streaming. It was Mahler five. This stunning performance. So I said I made them the song. You have to watch this. And so I did a I did a lot of things. I, I put I sent them the music. Also the, the principal trump apart. And uh, I asked them you know how many how many different key changes are there uh, notated in the in the music. And it, it wasn't all questions that were really very deep. But it was questions that they had to to answer. They were going to have to listen to the whole thing. And I asked them how many players were used. Okay. Uh, what were the, even to the point where I say, okay, what were the uh, finishes on their instruments? Because, you know, the fourth was playing a raw brass horn. Chris was playing silver. Someone else had a gold plated horn and, uh, and who was playing on which movements and mm-hmm. those kind of things. That was the point of that was to get them to listen to the whole thing and not scan through it and try to figure it out. Right. But um, that was, uh, and a lot of them I think really did watch it and really enjoyed it. Cause that, that, that's, some of the best orchestral treble playing i think i've heard uh just from the standpoint of uh, musicality and efficiency that's the cool thing when the kids can see someone doing something that's so impressive but this guy is seemingly do it with uh little or n- little effort uh, that's so important to, for them to see that 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 is possible yeah. Yeah. and i I'm, you know i'm doing some things this year i'm gonna have. Uh, Many of them don't know a lot of the players that we know. I have to introduce them to Doc Severinsen. I show them all the time when I describe what hand vibrato is because I'm a I'm a product of hand vibrato. All my teachers taught hand vibrato, mm-hmm. and I still do it. It's, and I, I do a little bit of both, but I do a lot of hand vibrato. And I say, you know, there's one guy that really could do this, and I'll show him Doc just rocking that thing, and and they're like, who's Doc Severinsen? Right, pretty quick. Pretty exactly. Quick. Um, but I, I give them assignments a whole list of things they need to look up and who is this person? Who's the principal trumpet in in the LA Philharmonic? Uh, Give me one uh, link to a video of his playing and stuff like that. So, you know, if they're going to be on the internet, I want them going out and finding some information that uh, things they need to know.
0: Absolutely. And see, that's, that's just it is they don't know that they need to know it yet. It was Brandon Ridenour. I was talking to him and he said, uh, Ray Mace used to just, you know, stack his assignments. You know, it was, it was ridiculous, the amount. He said he was pushing them. He goes, you know, he's talking about his students now. And I'm thinking that's exactly what you need. You have to be pushed to see what's possible. And, and that's how you make progress, is right. if everything's easy, you know, where, where's the sense of, of fulfillment or progression? Right,
1: if it was easy, Well, my teacher used to tell me, he said, if it was impossible, nobody could do it. If it was easy, anybody could. Mm. Most of us fall somewhere in the middle there. Yeah. You know, and most people, when you challenge them, they respond. Yeah. If you do it in a in a respectful and, uh, you know, pleasant way, yeah, will take that challenge and go with it. Right. So you have any etudes that still kick your butt? Oh, yeah. Lots of, lots of Charlie I've got my favorite yeah. person. I think everyone has their, who was it saying this? I think uh, someone was saying the other day, everyone has like, 11 Charlie A's that they play. <laughs> Everyone knows the same 11. Or right. Like
0: and it's not fair that, that Hokon's coming out and, you know, hopefully going to make it to 36, but I mean, it's not fair that he plays them yeah. as well as he plays them.
1: He just doesn't throw at all. Um, yeah. Charlie A's, there's, there's some of those that I, I am constantly working on. You know, that being number, what is it? 16, the double tongue one?
0: Uh, 16's double tongue, right? 18's triple tongue. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think so.
1: Every time I pull that back out, I think, man, I sound pretty good on this. I get about three fourths of the way through. And then, um, I, I teach a lot of books. I teach out of the Vanettelbosch book. I like that book. The um, younger kids, I use Small and Bousquet. But then we use Vanettelbosch and Charlier. Uh Let's see what else. I use, I like to use some more lesser known books like um, Bach Gizandi. That may be one of them. Mm-hmm. The um, Berdiev uh, Etudes. Um, so those are some of the ones I use. I kind of, but um, I start my kids out with stuff like the small A tubes. I think those are they're good music. Yeah. And they address a lot of different, uh, a lot of different aspects of technique that we can kind of dig into. So yeah. they expose different different things. I think music needs to be good music that you're working on in lessons, but it also has to, um, it also has to serve to uh, challenge you on certain technical aspects. I also like to use the, I don't know if you know these, the Guy LaCour 100 Etudes. They were originally for tenor saxophone, I think, but he reworked them. And there's a little book, it's like a half page book. And they're very short, They're maybe six, five or six lines, uh, and it's two books, it's 50. Uh, I got these in undergraduate, Danny Schnauder uses these, Michael Anderson still uses them too. Mm-hmm. But every one of them is a unique musical statement of some kind, and they're all very, very diverse. And it's kind of nice because they're shorter. It's not always an endurance challenge. It's, it's more of a musical challenge and it's not long. So mm-hmm. I'll take my kids through those and we'll play those and try to check them off and then uh, have them transpose them off a step or down a step or something mm-hmm. like that. Work our way through that book. Sometimes you can give them two or three of them at a time. So yeah. the name is La Cour, Lacour, L A C O U R.
0: Good. Uh, I came across one. I don't know if it was originally for trumpet, uh Etudes. Uh, or maybe it was for horn originally.
1: I, I think. think so. I, I've seen that book. I don't know it very well.
0: Yeah. Some really great stuff in there. Long. And I, I appreciate, you know, the ones that you got to keep the horn on. Like St. Jacome. <laughs> you know, you don't get a chance to take the horn off your face for a while. On
1: yeah, I think that in, in teaching, I think it's always this challenge that you don't want to give them something that's either so technically difficult or so endurance heavy that they can't get past that. To making music and, and thinking about the very simple concept of, of tone production, which may or may not be simple, but it, it, it should be simple.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I always try to start them on something simple, so they can make a good sound, and then they can expand on that. I think that's yeah. important uh, to have a success uh, rather than always worrying about whether they're going to bonk out in, in a three-four story. So, um, but uh, every student's different. Boy, I've got a, a real wide range of students. Some that come in with Never having had a trumpet lesson, just some that come in from like the St. Louis and Kansas City high schools that are actually fairly accomplished already. I've actually got a couple uh, younger kids right now that are really very well prepared and, and kind of ready to roll. So it's been it's been fun. It's challenging me to do different things with freshmen than I normally do. So,
0: yeah. so here you are at the top of ITG, and you've been involved for a while. I know. What do you see the state of trumpet? or trumpet dumb, whatever the uh, D-O-M, not D-U-M-B not trumpet dumb <laughs> you know, do you see the, are we in pretty good shape as a as a
1: community? As an IT or just trumpet in general? Are you, sure, both or more. Yeah, I think, I think I, you know, I think there are so many more opportunities now I mean, I know that a lot of, there's a lot of challenges for live music, but I don't think I've ever been able to access more different types of music using trumpets than ever before. Now that may be because we have access to that on the internet. You know, Maybe long ago we just didn't know about it because we couldn't open the browser up and go look for it. But It seems like there's so much going on with trumpet right now which is fantastic. And, and as an ITG, as a leader of ITG, that's part of our mission is to embrace the improvement of, of trumpet playing in every way. And uh, so when people say well, you know, ITG, you should do something like this or ITG should do because somebody else is doing that. And I said, well, I think that's fantastic that someone else is doing that. ITG has got kind of a very specific thing that we do. That doesn't mean we can't grow and it doesn't mean we can't grant a job. We, you know, ITG is a very specific thing to me. And as a leader of, of the organization, it's my job to protect that and to develop that and improve it. Um, it's basically three-pronged. I mean... We've got our conference, which is the defining aspect of ITG, as far as I'm concerned, because that's what lets everyone know what we do. In general, it's it's, it's the most diverse conference for trumpet in the world, like no other. Our journal is the only academic journal for trumpet in the world, and I think it's the best of its kind. I think it's fantastic. It is, it's terrific. And then, oh, and I want to mention something about that, and then it's really exciting, I'll tell you here first. And then our website, now, up until now, our website has been largely informational. It's a place you go to join. It's a place you go to find out more about ITG, You want to run out competition guidelines. But um, we're expanding the value of that too. And one of the exciting things is that very, very soon now, uh, I've made this a priority and our two, our editor and our webmaster, Michael Anderson and Peter Wood have been working like crazy to get this done. But very soon, you as an ITG member will be able to access the website, log in and you will have access to the entire ITG journal archive on the website. Nice. In a flipbook format. You might've seen the March issue we put out for everybody. It's going to be like that. Now you won't be able to download all the entire archive. Current members will still be able to download the current year, but you will have access to be able to read everything back to 1975. And I'm telling you, it's really pretty cool stuff if you go back yeah. in terms and see what was going on. Uh, and that's going to be great for some young kids too because many of them don't have, but they're just joining. They have no way to access that early stuff. And now they can go back and read to their heart's content and find out everything. So I think that's one of the things that some organizations have had uh, and we wanted to add it. we soon found out that it was a little more difficult, a little more complicated than we thought. <laughs> we think uh, very soon we're going to have that available uh, for members. And I think that's a very cool thing that makes our website even more relevant. And of a value. And, uh, one other thing we're going to be doing coming up probably in October, we're going to have, uh, we haven't really advertised it yet, but it's going to be uh, a video event of, of original content for everyone to uh, come and experience free. Um, I'm not going to tell you too much about it because it's still in the planning and I want to reserve the right for it to change. Oh, of
0: course, sure.
1: But it'll be coming out sometime, probably October. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be free, not just to ITG members, but to everybody. And nice. It's to be contributed to by a number of fantastic players and people all across. Everyone's been mm-hmm. very, uh, very giving and agreeing to donate something that's original and that's something you will have not seen before, whether it's mm-hmm. pedagogical or it's a performance. But it's something we wanted to do, kind of in addition because we didn't weren't able to have our conference. Yeah, um, you know our conference. It's it's we can't have a conference that's really like an ITG conference online. There's just too much about it that doesn't translate. Not to mention the technical limitations of the internet, sound quality, you know, Wi-Fi cutting out. Who knows what can happen? But we wanted to offer something because of that, and that was actually a. a One of our advisory committee members, Andrea Tofanelli, suggested that that was his brainchild and I thought it was a fantastic idea. So that'll be coming this fall. And hopefully, uh, when everybody's getting back to school and getting excited again, that can add to the the fun, so. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we're in a good place. And I think there's a lot going on. I think the level of trumpet playing and performance has gone through the roof. That's largely because of technology and great teaching. There's so many more good teachers um So,
0: it's it's scary good. Uh, it's scary how good the younger generation gets. It seems like every, you know, if I was that good as a freshman in high school, I I might have made something of myself. You know, it's just it's ridiculous. And yeah,
1: a lot of my but, friends much better than I was when I was in, when I started.
0: Yeah,
1: and I tell them that, and that seems to make them happy. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> so, hey, um, we can wrap up a little bit here. Um, any last gem? Any last words of wisdom that you'd like to like to offer? Famous last words?
1: Last words. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think we're 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 in a we're in a good place. I think everybody just needs to. Uh, well, I don't know when this is going to air, so I don't know how relevant this would be.
0: it'll still be relevant no matter when. You
1: know, I think uh, as far as trumpet playing and music. Uh, we just need to keep encouraging as many people. You know, if you see a young person who has some ability, as a trumpet player, if you see some young person who has some ability uh, on the trumpet, and has some interest, take the time to, to sit down with them and give them a free lesson. Just, just give, you know, um, I wrote about this in one of my columns, but I think, you know, who knows what you could change in that person's life. Uh, some people have no opportunities, and if you can encourage someone to be involved with trumpet, that's fantastic. If you can go play taps sometime, do it for free. One time a year, go play taps for a veteran that yeah. otherwise wouldn't have a live performance. Uh, there's a lot of things we can do uh, as trumpet players when we're so fortunate just to you know do one nice thing a year for somebody that kind of promotes the trumpet. And I think if, if everybody does that, we can, uh, we, you know, it. it not only is it is the right thing to do as a human being but as uh, if you're an ITG member it's the right thing for our mission and we want our, our members to do that kind of thing so yeah I guess uh, you know music has changed my life I mean my parents were both musicians my dad was an oboe professor my mom was a choral music teacher uh, I got started in music but the experiences I had going to college uh, and things that my my teacher Leonard Candelaria taught me and my parents taught me and being involved in ITG what that has done for me that is that my career I owe my career and my life to the trumpet Mm. I think that you could encourage someone else to get involved in the trumpet or music in general and you could do the same for them it's pretty it's pretty powerful stuff and it might not take a whole lot of effort so
0: yeah great that was great Sure. I, I wished I had remembered to push record at the beginning, and I'd have gotten all of that. <laughs> I hope was not dog snoring all the way through.
1: I'm here snoring again.
0: Yeah, well, uh, well, somebody will create a, a dog snoring filter that I can run <laughs> run on that. But at least it wasn't as loud. So, <laughs> no, it was good. It was all fine. So, well, Grant, thanks. I, I mean, I really appreciate the time and uh, for the for the chat. This has been fun. So, Enjoy. Good to see you. Have a great year. Stay healthy. Okay. Likewise. We'll see you soon, I hope. Okay. Bye. Well, that's where my interview with Grant ends. But there is more to be heard. I've excerpted a significant portion of this interview, and that is available exclusively for my Patreon patrons. You can find out how to become one of those patrons and how to receive other benefits by going to patreon.com slash studio HFL. And again, to those who are already patrons, thank you, thank you, thank you. Another reminder to visit Apple Podcast and leave both a star rating and a review, and please visit the Studio HFL YouTube channel and subscribe. This has been a production of Powell Music LLC and has been supported by the generosity of Messina Covers, Eastman Winds, S.E. Shires, Hammond Design, and Pickett Blackburn. Once again, I'm your host, Larry Powell. Grateful that you spent some time here today with me and my guest. Be sure to come back next week. And also check out the Studio HFL webpage for the live events that are happening these days. Have a great day. See you next time.